Hey dance fashion lovers, looking for the perfect dancewear to elevate your look and performance? Well, try SMK Dancewear. Apart from their innovative and environmentally friendly approach to apparel making, discover also a stunning collection of leotards, jumpsuits, vests, and their new line of cotton long leg warmers, designed with both style and comfort in mind. Whether you're a ballet dancer, a hip-hop enthusiast, or anything in between, SMK Dancewear has something for everyone. Visit them at their headquarters in Seoul, South Korea, for you to experience top-notch quality and personalized service. Their passionate and international team will help you find the perfect fit and style to express your unique dance identity. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below. It is still hard for me to understand why so little people do arts for more than themselves when we are surrounded by all the modern day circumstances to better the arts with. For example, we live in a time when there are more professional dance companies, revolutionary technology, and artistic practices today than ever in history. Hello and welcome to The Background Dancer. I'm your host, Jason Yup. Thank you for joining me with our community of passionate dance contributors from around the world and across different fields. In this podcast, I offer educational conversations and insightful tips to help you better understand all things offstage about this curious art form. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Jason Yup, once again, aka The Background Dancer, saying hi back to all of you background dancers alike. Hope you've been able to enjoy your summer holidays so far if you're based in Europe, and if you are based in likes of Asia or South America, then Yes, the perpetual summer holidays, the perpetually hot weather. I have finally been able to get out into the sun after being so cooked up inside due to the cold weather, the constantly chilling weather here. And sometimes it's even cold in the summer. Can you believe it? But that's Europe and that's the beauty of it. Well, this is August now and it's also my birthday month. And as a result, I, of course, want to do something special. I always am thinking of ways to continue providing the best content for you with the most intriguing surprises. So we are still in the works of preparing for season two. And that's going to be quite a lineup. It's going to be very different from season one with a very different focus. But of course, still following the curatorial framework that we have set up remembering the 11 categories that we go through, including the bonus content. Well, turns out that the bonus content category has expanded far beyond just sort of the non-dance-related things that we could put into the podcast into very much everything that kind of relates to performing arts itself. So, for example, the special episode that we did with Sasha Korothuk called Cultural Wars of the Invasion And that was a very special episode. If you have not heard of that one yet, go back and listen to that one because that is by far the most challenging episode I've done and definitely the most timely one as well. 
Other things that I've been involved with is the Sweat Hong Kong International Dance Festival very lately in June. I was also part of the TH conference, the Trans Europe House International Conference for Cultural Organizations. Yep, so a couple of things happening on my side. But this is August once again, and I wanted to do this very special episode. We're going to start doing two episodes a month back to the bi-weekly format that this podcast has transformed into. The latest update I can give you right now is that, yeah, I project season two to be next year in February. So I guess this is going to take an entire year of preparation. We do one year, February to February, we take a break and then come back in the next February with all these different cool stuff gobsmacked right in the middle. Anyways, back to the bi-weekly format. And this one is titled The Thesis. Simple as that. I'll give you a little background as to why I wanted to do this episode. And it really goes like this. An art student here in Slovakia came up to me and asked if I could help her out with her graduate thesis. And it involves quite a number of questions with regards to the art scene here. And of course, I complied and said, hey, yeah, you know, I can help you out if you're interested in my story. And I ended up preparing sort of like a thesis. <laughs> it's not very long. Don't worry about it. But it is quite thorough. It's quite deep. And one of the things I always get as a comment for doing this podcast is that I do a lot of yeah, expert conversations with people in their sectors and all that. But not everybody gets to listen to the inner workings of Jason himself and his journey. So I wanted to do this episode, share with you what I've already done on paper through text and put it into my voice and really sort of retelling the story as if I was writing it on the spot. So that's pretty much the preface of this episode. And the questions that she asked were very much related to things like intercultural exchange, interdisciplinary practices, and mainly regarding my challenges as well as discoveries of working and living here in Slovakia. So that's going to be part of this episode. Um, I'll get into it really quickly. But before I begin, don't forget to subscribe to the Background Dancer podcast as well as the Background Dancer YouTube channel. Make sure you're always up to date and in the know-how. All right, and the first question was very much about intercultural collaboration. As a foreigner, I think I am still the only Malaysian artist to have worked or lived here. To be honest, historically speaking, I have not heard of anyone else. And even if you zoom out a little bit, Asian representation in this country is not a lot. I do hold a very unique position, but that also comes with a price. So dance is and always has been one of the most if not the most international art form due to movement being at its core. Compared to theatre, which is language-dependent, let's say, dance exists regardless of linguistic barriers. While extremely competitive, the dance industry has grown to be a worldwide marketplace consisting of high-talent mobility and diversity. 
So yes, intercultural collaboration is in most cases a guaranteed in dance. Having lived in three countries so far and having spent ten years away from home, intercultural collaboration has become one of the most interesting aspects of my work. Something which also convinced me to transition to the arts from my previous commitments to sports and psychology. Firstly, these constant intercultural exchanges have helped me develop a strong sensitivity and emotional capacity towards all peoples. Although technology has brought the world closer, culture and social behaviors remain an ever-changing puzzle to the masses. This means that the more social-cultural interactions I can have with a diverse group of people, the more aware of such knowledge I would inevitably be as a human being who wishes to do good for the world. For dance, it refers more towards stylistic differences and work culture. I've been lucky enough to have lived and worked in both the East and the West, in both big and small cities alike. These experiences shone the light on how different cultures create specific aesthetics, as well as working environments that cater only to that very culture or identity. With that, I've been able to develop versatility and criticality as a dancer, skills much needed to compete in the global market today. So those are the good stuff with regards to intercultural exchange, right? Intercultural openness, let's say. But as I've said earlier, that there is a price to pay. Now I'm not going to name every single example, but it does sound a little bit like this. As with intercultural openness that results in connections and bonding, the same could be said with its counterpart, misunderstandings and rejection. I've experienced misunderstandings of all kinds at this point. And most of them happen because of ill-conceived judgments. Culture is complex and multi-layered, wrapped around countless years of history that cannot be fully understood by the modern people, let alone by those who choose to be ignorant and arrogant. Be it dance movement, communication style, or work ethics, misunderstandings can occur most unexpectedly. At the end of the day. It is all about individual awareness to knowledge beyond one's existing boundaries that will determine the severity of such misunderstandings. Hey, Jason here with a special message for you to help and continue serving our beloved performing arts community. So here's what you can do. Share this with one person you believe who this episode can benefit, and attach a personal note explaining why. This way, you are not only helping me grow this show, but also adding value to those you truly care about. Massive appreciation, as it means the world to me. And let's get right back to the show. So. What were some of the challenges, and I'm speaking main challenges throughout the last three years of working and living here, attending to different subcultures that may have been quite shocking to me? Well, to be honest, 
I'm actually a very adaptive person and things like cultural shock don't come by that often, but in some cases, they do. The subculture of dance and the performing arts that I've been affected most by is the attitude of an artist towards their field. While I completely understand the highly personal and narcissistic nature of arts to begin with, it is still hard for me to understand why so little people do arts for more than themselves when we are surrounded by all the modern day circumstances to better the arts with. For example, we live in a time when there are more professional dance companies, revolutionary technology, and artistic practices today than ever in history. Being a latecomer to dance, age 16 to be exact, the only purpose I've had is to become the best version of the artist I want to be in order to help others do the very same. This entails the need for communality, hard work, discipline, and humility as a human being. But these are the exact same characteristics I often fail to see in artists and it does affect me. The only thing I can do is to make sure that every time I walk on stage and then off it into the world, I will give my 1000% always so that somehow it might inspire others to follow suit. So with intercultural exchanges, of course, we're also going to get something called interdisciplinary practices, just like how human beings cross over their different cultures and social behaviors, so do art genres and disciplines alike. In general, I am a strong proponent of interdisciplinary and fusion practices as long as they're made with honesty and with clear purpose. There is such beauty in how art imitates life, and vice versa. Like how people are engaging in cross-cultural marriages, dance has been experiencing a similar integration between its genres as well as other art disciplines. What such approaches can do for both artists and audience is to provide new perspectives about the meaning and value of art itself, rather than always trying to define a certain style for industrial purposes. While studying for my bachelor in dance, I ran a year-long student project focusing on interdisciplinary collaboration that opened my eyes to its very true potential if given the right opportunity to develop. That project was called Stage. Being a contemporary dancer myself, I find that the best way to explain what that is, well, I'm always asked this question, by the way, what is contemporary dance, right? is to highlight the idea of an interdisciplinary and multicultural interpretation of dance practice. The funny thing is, dance has always been an interdisciplinary art from dating all the way back to the beginnings of ballet. So, a contemporary hybridization of dance is just a natural step in the overall evolution of dance and its aesthetical growth. Now, to wrap things up, I was asked about my experiences of working here in Slovakia, and I had to really pinpoint what I 
thought and felt about the local culture, especially in their approach towards dance. I find Slovak dance incredibly interesting within the history of European dance, and I'm very grateful to have learned so much from working in Studio Tanza for the past three years. The best part of dance in Slovakia is no matter how hard it is to become a professional dancer in a country that clearly does not support arts comparatively to other nations, there is no shortage of talent and even art institutions emerging every single year. This represents a slow but growing desire to expand the reach of arts into society and push the country's arts and cultural products out into the wider European market. For example, Banska Bystrica is one of the weirdest places I can ever imagine because for such a small city, it still consists of the most art institutions within Slovakia, apart from maybe Bratislava, of course. And interestingly, Divadlo Studio Tanza is also the only full-time professional contemporary dance company in Slovakia, period. Why has it been in Banska Bystrica for the past 23 years? Well, that should explain a lot. However, there are many downsides to Slovak culture and the locals' approach to art. Unfortunately, I find Slovak artists a little bit chilled out and overly comfortable, to be honest. While I'm not saying that we should always be in work or fight mode, such an attitude tends to breed complacency and ignorance for the wider industry. When artists lose the motivation to push boundaries both professionally and artistically, they naturally begin to build little bubbles that become aquariums to the outside eye. And why is this so important? Because the main victims of all of this would always be the new, up-and-coming generations. The solution to all of this is not to begin a civil war between the old and new, the young and old, but to find a middle ground in how different generations operate in present time. Nonetheless, some is already better than none, and there is so much potential for Slovak artists to realize this and make a positive change to their work culture. So there you go, my little thesis on the idea of working and living here in Slovakia. We covered things like intercultural exchange, interdisciplinary art practices, and the highs and lows, challenges and discoveries of being a foreigner here in the foreign land. Now there's a lot more to unpack there of course, and this is just some of, like I said, my inner workings as an artist, because apart from being a podcaster, I am also a dance artist and I have a lot of these cans of worms to sort of unpack, unfold, excavate every single day of my life. It's really exciting, but there are a lot of deep, dark secrets that we don't know when it comes to the world of arts because, yeah, you know, it's just not very well reported, well documented and highly valued within society. So these are things that kind of turn me a little bit into a journalist because not only am I interested in my own story... I'm very interested in others as well. And just through this platform, we've been able to talk to so many people and just be able to kind of dig their brains and really see how they see the world themselves. 
It's almost like extending that kind of microscope and being able to stand in other people's shoes and be able to understand that, yeah, it's a whole new world out there, a very, very huge one, despite sometimes it feeling quite small. So my encouragement always is to think big, dream big, and don't be afraid to step out of your boundaries because maybe it's just not that scary as you might think. And don't underestimate your ability because sometimes it may be the cause of the systems that you're in rather than your actual ability to succeed. I can say this from pure experience. When you are working for something, most of the time you are integrated within a system that may or may not fulfill or help fulfill your potential. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the inner workings of my work, my journey here, my little thesis. Don't forget to like and subscribe, leave a rating on this podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can also reach out to me via socials, via email, or just go to the Background Dancer website at backgrounddancers.com. It will be wonderful to hear what you actually think about this little writing that I've got here. But also if you have done so, well, similar things in the past yourself. For the next episode, I have to tell you right away because it's going to be really cool. We're going to be reuniting the Jcast team. (laughs) If you have been also attending to our Clubhouse episodes every two weeks, Uh, we've taken a little break here. So it's really timely to kind of bring everyone back. There are going to be a few huge updates, but it's going to revolve around dance injuries to be exact. So stay tuned for that. It's coming out in the alternate week, like I said. So two episodes per month starting this month. I'm going to keep going with that and I'm going to slowly update you what's to come, what are the episodes that we're going to cover and what are the new types of content that are going to bring you all the way to next February 2023 when we officially restart the entire cycle called season two. So that's all for today. Thank you so much once again. Just want to say have a great week over there. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying your holidays wherever you are and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe, comment, and leave a review on your designated podcast and social media platforms. If you found this interesting or helpful, feel free to share with members of your community so that they too may connect with us in our quest to foreground dance in the background. I am Jason Yup of The Background Dancer, and as always, catch you next time. If you're listening to this in South Korea or just taking a trip through their wonderful city of Seoul and looking for a quick yet sensible fix for your dance wardrobe, look no further than SMK Dancewear's open studio event happening from the 13th to the 16th of June at their headquarters. Join them for an exclusive peek into the studio and showroom spaces where you'll discover a stunning collection of dancewear that combines style, comfort and performance. From elegant leotards to sleek leggings and everything in between, they've got you covered for all your dance needs. 
And if that's not enough to entice you, there will be, of course, food, drinks, and the entire community of SMK customers to accompany you along this day-long get-together. Best of all, you get an extended time to speak with the brains behind it all, Sandra Minor Kang herself. So reserve your visit time through their Talk channel or Instagram account to ensure an exclusive visit. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below.